0: Welcome mere model Ads, to another episode of the mere models book recap it is indeed that time again the last monday of the month where I, iron from host of the mere models podcast go over all the books that were reviewed on the mere models book reviews channel during this last month uh, give you some additional thoughts and whatnot an opportunity to also thank everyone with the booster gram lounge and then have a look see at what's upcoming for december 2022 we're already at the end of the year whoa Awesome. So, two books for this month. A little bit disappointing on my end. Uh, both both were read by me. The two that I have were how books. Two how books, indeed. And uh, unfortunately, one was going away for a fair time in um, uh, little mini holidays and jaunts away. So we just haven't had that much time between the two of us to actually um, do as many book reviews as we normally like to do. Hopefully, that will be improving for December and the next month. So both books, I gave a seven out of ten, and I'll start with Michael Pollan's "How to Change Your Mind." So, one of the things you might notice from the book review was I didn't want to talk too much about my own experiences with psychedelics, as I I kind of didn't want to taint the review. Much like the uh, scientists who were investigating all of these studies and whatnot, somewhat tainted their own research by having had to. Experience the the psychedelic effect to know what the hell their patients and what their you know the people they were studying were talking about. So uh, for myself, uh, I've I've uh, let's see, I've, I've definitely tried mushrooms and uh, the LSD, not DMT. Um, that is, it sounds pretty wild. Maybe maybe one day, but um, my general philosophy with these is that. They, they can be very dangerous and that anything that is kind of destabilizing to the mind um, should be viewed with extreme caution. Stimulants of, of all sorts of, of things that can really dramatically affect you um, can, can do this. And um, just a, a casual offhand story here, but when I was in Mexico, uh, I was with some friends and uh, this kind of like, you know, friends of friends, that sort of deal. And we all went out one night. And uh, this one guy in particular, and, and a, a lot of them actually did a similar thing, but this one guy in particular mixed alcohol with, um, with, with uh, caffeine, with uh, a weed, and with I'm guessing some sort of um, not psychedelic, but MDMA or something like that. Uh, all within a couple of hours of himself and um, I think a mysterious pill that he got some from somewhere, someone somewhere. And he had a complete mental breakdown in Oaxaca and in, in Mexico. It's kind of like middle of Mexico and just was, was not the same. There was something off about him. He uh, totally lost his mind for a night and had to be actually restrained by the police and put in a hospital for a while. And it is likely that some sort of thing triggered schizophrenia that he might have had a dormant sort of thing like that, and yeah, his his parents basically had to like fly into Mexico, take him home, and um, I don't know what's happened to him, but that surely uh, was so strange and such a rare thing that you know it, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. Let's put it that way. So. Um, Psychedelics, I, I think they're they're important to, to if 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 they intrigue you and if you are um, think that they might benefit you somehow, to to test them out for yourself and to understand okay the world can be a radically different place than what I think it is. Um, I I I see nothing wrong in that, but. Being a psychonaut and, you know, taking heroic doses and really seeking out ego dissolution um, is something I'm, I'm just very wary of, very, very wary of. So um, those, those are my general thoughts in relation to psychedelics. I'll jump now into a couple of the interesting things that came out on the book, from the book as well. On page 68, there was a funny quote of this guy. So he'd uh, just had this... Uh, um, frightening or bizarre, supreme importance of surrendering to the experience. And um, Boothby, the philosopher, took the advice to heart and found that he could use the idea as a kind of tool to shape the experience in real time. So he talks, he's talking about how he's um, doing this. And then <laughs> over and over again, I had the overwhelming sense of infinity being multiplied by another infinity. I joked to my wife as she drove me home that I felt as if I had been repeatedly sucked into the asshole of God. <laughs> I don't know why that got that. That um, that I I just really found that funny, really found that funny. The other thing which uh, caused me to pick up and take some notice was something I've talked about from the John Keats poetry that I read, which I believe it was just called Poems or Poems by John Keats or something like that. And it wasn't particularly in the poems, but upon reading more about John Keats, he had this idea of something called negative capability. And there was a, a, a reference to this twice in the book, of, which I, I thought was really uh, intriguing. And uh, so he was talking about, the, Keats this is, was referring to Shakespeare described as negative capability. And so this is the ability, ability to exist amid uncertainties, mysteries, mis- uh, mysteries and doubt without reaching for absolutes, whether those of science or spirituality. It makes no more sense to say I'm 100% convinced of a material worldview than to say I'm 100% convinced of the literal version of the Bible and this was also on page 271 as well where this this idea of not being too drawn into um, an extreme version of Keith's negative capability Um, and this is where it's somewhat what what I think uh, psychedelics can help do, which is it can somewhat either prove to yourself through just an undeniable fact of like, holy shit, I'm seeing things in front of my eyes. I'm feeling things that I've never seen, I've never felt before. I'm smelling, my senses are so radically altered that I I might not have this certainty of exactly how the way what wo- the, the world works before it did which can certainly be a destabilizing effect, but I think can also have this effect um, if you can somewhat embrace Keats' uh, Keats negative capability, which is, okay, it can kind of be a humbling experience in a way. It's like, I'm not 100% certain of everything that I used to think I was. And then this is the important part, being able to exist amongst that uncertainty to not have it be a anxious existential threat or something like that and it's more just of a oh okay indeed what I think is reality is certainly you know the atoms and materialistic and smells and sights and things and just like I'm, I'm, I'm living in right at this moment and then if I took you know two tabs of LSD that would certainly showcase another side of reality which may would maybe think hmm what I see isn't maybe what is all there and that there's other things out there and this is okay as well and I don't have to attribute that to uh, neural pathways in the default mode network shutting off and a real scientific-based explanation nor do I necessarily have to attribute that to a god or some sort of universal consciousness which is part of every atom and, you know, wave waves, the waves of the universe reaching into me via God's asshole or something like that. So <laughs> no, you don't I, I i think that negative capability is uh is 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 certainly something that I found useful in my life and I think psychedelics can maybe be a way of showcasing this or helping someone to find that as well. So yeah, those were the main things that I've I really took from the psych how to change your mind, the New Science of Psychedelics by Michael Pollan. And um, yeah, it was a very, very good read. This was one, a, definitely a, a new book, which I um, feel is is very, very useful. And speaking of new books, the other book that I reviewed on the channel was Matt Ridley's How Innovation Works, um, published in 2020. The How to Change Your Mind was in 2018. Very rare do I read two books published less than uh, within the last decade, um, back to back and, and very rarely at all. I was just going through all of my, my general um, book reading and usually the kind of like the average book for over the last 20 would probably be like 1950 or something like that. Um, so it's, yeah, usually I, I have a tendency to, to go to older books, the classics. This one has kind of been on my mind recently of, of just innovation and um, especially uh, the cryptocurrency Bitcoin and how that can innovate and change the world and perhaps some of these other crypto assets as well like I like to call them. So in here there was, um, well the, the review came out not too long ago and I think I talked about how in general I'm a fan of it, of, of innovation In general, I'm not a fan of the things that stymie innovation, i.e. governments, uh, regulations, IP laws, uh, the um, ability to sue people out the arse to protect your rent-seeking behavior. I'm I'm not a fan of that. I'm not a fan of that. And yeah, that was my general idea from the book. There was a couple of interesting things that really take from this, so... Uh, one of them was talking about these experiments on page 70, 71. So, this was Jonas Silk in Pittsburgh and he, as he was trying to uh, come up with a polio virus. And so, what he was doing was he was growing uh, tissue culture, um, vast quant- quantities of the virus in the minced kidneys of monkeys. And so, by 1953, he was killing 50 monkeys a week for their kidneys, growing the viruses and flasks of kidney tissue culture and inactivating them with 13 days of exposure to formaldehyde. The vaccine thus produced was tested on 161 children and found to cause no harm, no polio and raised antibodies against the polio virus. I just thought it was so funny where it was, <laughs> it's like, how do, you, how do you get to killing 50 monkeys a week <laughs> for their kidneys? In the name of science, in the name of science. Um, I just, I don't know. There was something the way it was phrased that, that really got me going. I thought that was funny. Uh, on a less funny note, Here's a, a kind of stat for everyone at home about the potato um, uh, potato famine in Ireland in 1845, and this was completely uh, blindsided me in a in, in a way of I, I would have never guessed this, never in a million years. So uh, basically, there was a lot of people living in Ireland due to this kind of innovation of the potato. It made its way over into Europe and. It enabled many families to live, uh, extend their family dramatically, dramatically bigger than what was kind of normal, I guess, for the age. And this then resulted in what you would call overpopulation. And so when this, this big famine came through and basically the the, uh, the potato crops rotted in the fields above and below ground and within a few years, a million people had died of starvation Uh, malnutrition and disease and at least another million had immigrated so there's the particular um, data point which i never knew the irish population which had reached over eight million plunged and still has not returned to the level it was in 1840 Uh, similar if less severe famines caused by blight drove norwegian danes and germans across the atlantic i had no idea i would have put on really good money that the irish population would be massively more now than any other point in history as i would basically every other country in the world and so yeah learning that that not only do was it 8 million at one point and now has never reached it it's still a couple million below what what it was in that time um still using the the same geographic boundaries so uh, amazing! I I just I never would have predicted it. Never would have thought about it. Another one which came up was uh, anti-innovators. So this is on page one hundred and thirty-three, and when this is talking about some scientists who were trying to get the wheat into Pakistan and India, um, because this was like a you know wheat that had been genetically modified to. Uh, you know, resist disease, to um, produce higher yields to basically just be a generally better product. And when it, so it was this guy Borlaug who was trying to um, convince the government to, to let the regulations that they had in place or this ban they had in place slide and so that people could start growing it. When I asked about the need to modernize agriculture, both scientists and administrators typically replied, poverty is the farmer's lot. They're used to it. I was informed that the farmers were proud of their lowly status and was assured that they wanted no change. After my own experiences in Iowa and Mexico, I didn't believe a word of it. Fuck oath. Man, this is the shit that really riles me up. These are the sorts of things where, uh, yeah, basically this... It's it's small examples like this, which no matter how many other examples you could you could show of oh but this regulation saved this farmer because X, I I just I just don't believe it because it's it's coming from people who would say shit like that the 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 hubris the 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 arrogance to, to say farmers would, would not want this. They're, they're happy with their lot in life. And and talking about, you know, Indian farmers basically just trying to subside. And even then, just just people in general, oh, they're happy with their lot. They d- they wouldn't want a bigger house, a, you know, more time with their family. They love working 80-hour weeks and shit like that. It, yeah, it gets, it gets me angry. It gets me very angry. So, um, yeah, that was... Um, they will come up with any excuse to hate and dismiss on what is new, and their the reason for their behavior. Um, and you know, I, I don't. I try not to pick on the regulators too much. It's the it's the entities. It's it's the government. This amorphous thing with a lack of responsibility. Uh, it, it it gets me mad. Gets me mad. Uh, so another one which was on page one hundred and seventy seven was related to. Uh, a concept I'd learnt before and subsequently forgotten and and um, it's called growth by shrinkage and uh, you would have heard of me, especially if you listen to the Mere Models podcast, a lot talking about how I think growth for growth's sake is the most idiotic and dangerous thing that that can really be... Mm, a mentality like that is, is is exceedingly stupid and yet it's that that's the reason it's growth for growth's sake it is it is growing in in this kind of materialistic way of oh they have a bigger car so i need a bigger car and it's this kind of feeling bad because you're mm, you need this growth and um you you want things better but um and and i want things better as well i want the world to be a better place and um, if people want more stuff you know fine, go about it but for me it it's it, it highlights this growth by shrinkage which is talking about how so much innovation is actually not creating more stuff it's creating more creating stuff or perhaps even more stuff from less things so you're you're shrinking the inputs the amount of water needed to um, grow these crops. You're shrinking the amount of fertilizer needed. You're shrinking the amount of time or labor and whatnot, and you're either getting the same product or perhaps an even better version because you've you've managed to um, increase it on the upside and cap the downside at the same time. Wow, magnificent! Uh, and so this came. Uh, I, the, I reviewed a book called More from Less a, a fair while ago about this as well, and uh, by Andrew McAfee and I'd, I'd forgotten about this. I'd forgotten about this concept that it's it's not growth I hate. It's it's this rampant, unthinking growth that needs to chew up all the resources that we have and ever-increasing amounts for a reason that is purely psychological and a human and that is a, a somewhat negative one based on envy or it's based on greed or it's based on whatever and it's not usually a way of oh this is actually improving the life of this farmer or of this poor person or this um, mentally incapable person who can't you know access their own thoughts and so if they have this technology to speak better via a device of some sort or things like this so yeah all, all of that um kind of ties together of this idea of growth growth by shrinkage so making things better by using less stuff man I'm, uh, I'm on top of that i love it boy <laughs> uh, the last one here was um, page 244 245 talking about patents or patents i'm not really sure how um, you say the a in that but is the existence of Patents that makes the problem of the hero- heroic inventor worse. Again and again, I've documented in this book how innovators wreck their lives battling to establish or defend patents on their innovations. Samuel Morse, uh, Giuglielmo, Marconi, and Medea- and many others tied themselves up in courts for years trying to rebut challenges to their priority. In some cases, the establishing of a patent that was too broadly drawn then def- deterred further innovation. And so, yeah, I was talking about how these innovative people they get caught up in this trap of of not of of wanting to protect what they they 've created, and rightly so because you put a lot of effort in but this is where I go to the value for value model and I go, you know what the I should be judged on my latest effort, I should be judged on what i 've been doing recently with i guess a a small waiting to to past efforts for sure but it shouldn't be the the primary focus like I shouldn't be defending right now something that I created eight years ago I should be creating something that's even better you know it'd be like me trying to stop people stealing the first 100 episodes of the mere mortals podcast whereas I should just be focusing on the next 100 to make it even better and hopefully it is better so yes, that's uh, the couple of random thoughts I had from the two books, and yeah, look, uh, talking about value for value, this is this is um, a, a great example where um, I haven't, I've been lazy. I haven't me and Juan haven't been producing the value as great as we normally do. We only put out two book reviews this this um, this last month, and uh, we can see the the notice of this of of how this value is is not being um, transmitted to other people. So I'm not getting it back at the same time. So I'm going to jump now onto the Boostergram lounge and I'll bring up here uh, what we have. And there was only, only three for this month and two of them were in fact for books that I had uh, done previously. So um, because I, I have to record this slightly earlier because the last Monday of the month doesn't capture, you know, a book review that was released on a Thursday, blah, 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 blah. So uh, two of these were from my favorite Slav, Peter. And he says, I hate old-timey word salad type books, even though this one seems like something that were put. And <laughs> I'm not sure not sure what he was trying to say. They might've got cut off. Uh, that, that says 7,623 sats, but I have a feeling it was 7,777 because 7, 7, 7, he's been sending that a lot recently. So it could just be the fountain app. I'm not showing that particularly. That was for the Patrick White's Voss, which was indeed very word salady, but I still enjoyed it. The other one was I usually hate when books dramatically change direction halfway through. And so this was talking about Ernesto Sabato's On Heroes and Tombs, which did indeed change very dramatically halfway through and for the worse, in my opinion. But yeah, go check out that book review. The last one was me sending in a, 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 a small test and I can see it says 990 and I'm pretty sure I sent in a thousand. So, um, indeed, Fountain is um, taking that 1% off and um, not sh- highlighting the numbers in the exact correct way that they came through as. So once again, Peter, thank you very much for for contributing to the the show and and helping keep this all running and up and smooth. I very much do appreciate that, my friend. Very much. Thank you. And yes, hopefully more books coming. Hopefully more books coming. So speaking of what are the books that are coming up for December of 2022, the last of the uh, 2022s? So, I've got two here, which I have been reading at the moment. One is Alexander Pushkin's Eugene, not sure how to pronounce this, Onjin or Wanjin. And yeah, it's a poetry book, but it's it's probably one of the best poetry books I've read so far, to be honest. Um, I'm not not the, generally the biggest fan. I think the the best that I have enjoyed have been, yeah, it's probably John Keats, um, and poetry in general doesn't particularly do it for me. But yeah, this one's it's, um, it's been good so far. I'm also reading Plutarch, The Age of Alexander. So the Plutarch is the the author in this case in which he's going over a whole bunch of people from the um, BCs, 324 BC around that age. And yeah, making my way through that. I am a third of the way through coding for beginners using, using Python by... Osborne. Um, I don't think it has a particular author in in general, and yeah. So I'm um, I'm just creating some code, trying to trying to learn a little bit of Python. I'm not sure if I'll do a book review on that. Maybe I'll see. I'll see how I'm going. And I also have here personal recollections of *Joan of Arc* by Mark Twain. Uh, I really want to read more more Mark Twain books, but it's actually hard for me to find him in the library here. So uh, yeah. I'm not sure, no no guarantees if I'll read that one or not. I know Juan still has some Ryan Holiday books up his sleeve and hopefully he'll be able to put them out and pro- produce them for this uh, upcoming month. And yeah, I think that's it. There's a Value for Value podcast, like I said. If you enjoy the the book reviews that I'm doing and, and that Juan's doing as well, we just ask that you, you send in a Boostergram and, and help support the show and let if the quality is reducing you know like i've i've missed a couple it's it's helpful also to know exactly what it is or what or the reason why you you don't want to contribute so you can do that offline and and provide that value to me in a non-monetary way you can also uh, review the podcast if you want to uh, on on itunes and things like that doesn't particularly help me but um if you want to sure go ahead why not (laughs) Uh, and uh, what I really do appreciate is also sharing the podcast So if you know other people who have read these books If, they, if you think they'd be interested in these information and whatnot uh, Leaving a comment on, on uh, the YouTube channel Or on any of our social medias uh, is, is also very helpful So um, I really do hope you're having a fantastic day Wherever you are in the world Hope you uh, got some good books up your sleeve Let me know what you're reading I would also love to know that and until the next time, chat for now, and out. Pew.